Welcome to the Attentive Heart Podcast, where we explore how an integration of mind, body, and spirit make us whole and enable us to become more compassionate to ourselves and to others. I'm your host, John Gribowicz, and today my guest is Julie. So uh, Julie, great to be here with you. So why don't you tell us a little bit about your background and uh, maybe you just like what occupies most of your time these days. Great to be on here, John. I'm Julie and I'm the founder and executive director of Girl Talk. And we're a 501c3 nonprofit really dedicated to building a sisterhood of self-worth from middle schoolers through moms. So we really are all about helping women find and rediscover their inherent self-worth. I love in the intro for The Attentive Heart, you talked about being compassionate because that is very much a big part of my story, my vocation, and I think my calling both personally and professionally. So I've had many twists and turns along the road. I think my real calling probably started very early on, but when I first really noticed it was in college. In college, I was in this RA role. Think of a mix of an RA or a focused missionary, combine them together. And my role was really to build community and help my residents feel welcomed to campus life their freshman year and really get to know people and really have a good transition to college. So the more I got to know these girls, I had a residence hall of 180 girls, almost 200 girls, who I would knock on their doors and chat with and get to know. And I heard everything. We had the best conversations, right? We were talking about what it was like to be a new freshman, what it was like to be in a new city, all these fun, exciting things. And then also the insecurities, right? Gosh, my classes are harder than I thought they would be. Or, Julie, I really want to apply for this internship, but, oh, there's no way I'd ever get that. Oh, I really like this guy in my English class, but, oh, there's no way he'd ever like me. Or, Julie, sometimes I just wake up in the morning, look in the mirror, and think, gosh, I'm so ugly. I can't even look at myself. And so I started to hear all these doubts and insecurities across the board from people of all walks of life, all shapes and sizes, all different backgrounds. I heard these echoes, these very lonely echoes in the hallway. And then it all came to a head right around Thanksgiving that year. And I got a phone call late one night. One of my residents shared, Julie, you need to come quick. Rachel just tried to kill herself. And that moment just changed my life. This was a girl that I knew and loved, a beautiful artist and writer. She was so creative. She had so many dreams and plans. And yet she felt so isolated, so depressed, really struggling with a lot. It's a big transition into college life. I ran to her bedside and I was there with her that night. All the adults rushed in, right? I I remember that distinctly as a junior in college myself. I'm 20 years old and and I'm witnessing our chaplain and our area coordinator and everyone from the hospital coming in and just holding her tight in her bed as as I'm wiping the tears from her face and we're, we're stroking the hair out of her eyes and just thinking, gosh, what caused this beautiful girl to think that her life was not worth living? Right. Mm. And so we got her the help that she needed that night. But after experiencing that with Rachel and hearing all these other doubts and insecurities from the girls, I thought, my goodness, this cannot happen again. This is not okay. Right. And so my poor roommates for the next few months, I kept them up at all hours of the night saying, what are we going to do? How can we help solve this problem? And I realized, you know what? Rachel felt so alone. She felt so alone in her struggle that it brought her to this extreme point, right? But how many of us don't feel alone, right? Everyone's struggling with something. I got my friend's help. We made all these cookies and brownies and decorated these cute little invitations, knocked on every single door and said, hey, 
come out Thursday night. Come out Thursday night. We're just going to have a little girl talk. We had 40 girls in there and I just shared my stories. I said, girls, look, here's when I felt broken. Here's when I felt like I wasn't good enough. Here's when I've had all my insecurities and doubts. And they looked at me as this big sister had it all together. And when I shared these more vulnerable parts of me, they said, oh, it's possible. There is light at the end of the tunnel. She understands. She gets mm -hmm. it, right? Yeah. And it wasn't me sharing then. And then it was all the girls opening up. And the straight A student could hear from the struggling C student. And the girl who's always counting calories can hear from Miss Picture Perfect. And all of a sudden, all these different stories come out. And we could really see each other for who we were, mm. not just this perfect persona that we put out to the world. Yeah. And so that was the beginning of Girl Talk. And it has since snowballed into my life's work. It ultimately brought me into the world of counseling. So now I am finishing up my degree in clinical mental health counseling and seeing clients becoming a therapist, really in this effort to help heal the brokenhearted. Awesome. Okay. So you went and began your journey for us while you were in college. And when you were a junior, specifically, you were an RA. You mentioned that it was like a cross between being an RA, which I think most of us understand. And then you said something about like focused missionary. What is that? Uh, I don't know if everyone really knows what that is. So how would you define that? And what was it about that made you more unique and maybe even more open to what you ended up doing with the girls in your dorm? If anyone's familiar with Focus, it's basically, and let me clarify, I was not a Focus missionary. It's my easiest way to, to make mm -hmm. the, the analogy. But Focus is an incredible organization all across the country that comes onto college campuses and really helps students really meet and understand. And so I, I was at the Catholic University of America, absolutely loved my time there. It was incredible. And Catholic is unique in that we have a program called Student Ministry. And that program invites students, upperclassmen to really minister to the freshmen and then even the upperclassmen themselves. So I lived in a house. We very creatively called it the house. Mm -hmm. And I lived with nine other people who we then would minister to. We each had a freshman residence hall. And so I was assigned Ryan Hall and I had a co-minister and we basically worked with all the RAs on the floor and just had the opportunity to get to know and build community with all of our residents. It was beautiful. Oh, that's interesting. So you weren't living actually in the dorm hall. You were living with a group of people who then went out and ministered to the dorms. That's a neat model. So tell me a little bit about how you uh, made the decision to go to Catholic University and maybe a little also about what you studied, but it seems like faith was a pretty important part of your journey up to going to college. So like, how, what was your introduction to that? Like, where was the spiritual? The sister of my sister-in-law <laughs> went to Catholic U, so that's how I first heard about it. And she had a great experience there, heard about all our activities. So I heard her talk about it in that way. And it was pretty funny, actually. The first time I visited Catholic, we got a tour and it was downpouring. And the tour guide was talking all about engineering. And I'm like, I don't want to be an engineer. This is not a good experience. I'm not <laughs> I wrote it off my list. I was like, no. But then, and then I visited some other campuses. I was pretty pulled in other directions. And then my parents really encouraged me. It was accepted students. They said, come on, let's just go down one more time. Let's check it out. Sure enough, the sky was clear. The birds were singing. I had the best experience. I met all these students who were just really alive. 
they were still on fire and mm. I saw all the clubs and activities and I could play ultimate frisbee and I could also join campus ministry and I could also do all these projects and adventures and I just felt like I would be very much myself on this campus and grow in my faith and just really grow into the person that I was meant to be and I think that truly was my experience I'm so grateful for my time at Catholic and it truly shaped me I think especially through student ministry and my friendships there what was the role of faith in your household growing up in your family like how did you inter how were you introduced to the faith early on there was this famous interview i don't know if you're familiar i, I can't remember the name of the woman but this woman played for the WNBA. she was a great basketball star and then mm -hmm. she decided to go become a carmelite nun and mm. press went wild right and they're like how did this happen where did faith come into your life? And they interviewed her and she said, well, it's pretty simple. My mom taught us how to pray and my dad taught us how to play. <laughs> and <laughs> I thought, oh my goodness, that is my family. That is me in a nutshell. And I think I would say the same, right? Mom was very active in the devotional and helping us cultivate that relationship and that love for Christ. And my dad was really walking the walk and teaching us how to play and interact with people and be a good person and really live out that spirit of service in our lives. So I think that interplay between the two is really instrumental in my life. Yeah, that's great. Now, what did you end up studying at Catholic? So I studied psychology. It also set the course for everything that I would come to do. Yeah. Now, th And then I first came to know you through my sister at, at Catholic, who was in the master's program of what was it business what was the name of the program i forget i was in it but they've since changed the name so let's see if i get it right it's when i was there as the msba now it is the master's of business analysis i think they dropped the analysis it's a master's of business okay so it was, let's just say business all right and i was because <laughs> i was really fascinated by that because you came into this and from a very let's just call it a real world practical sense taking the things that we value as a people let's say in the world of how money matters and what's the greatest good for the greatest amount that utilitarian mindset all these things that seem to get brought up into the business mindset and how to market things and how to make a difference by where your position is and things like that anyway you seem to use all that in order to launch Girl Talk, at least that's the way I was picking up on it. Was there, how did you start to see the interplay of all these things you were studying and then how that related to this very real life situation in front of you when you're dealing with someone who was about to commit suicide? Like how does all that stuff kind of work in your head and how have you seen it be integrated into what is now Girl Talk? Sure. Gosh, I love that. You're hitting on a, a piece of my story that is, I think, also very unique. And mm -hmm. sometimes I scratch my head and think, how did I get here? But I'd say it's twofold. The first part, not many people really know, understand this piece of my story. But after that experience happened with Rachel, right, we had this crisis and the suicide attempt. It opened up the floodgates, right? So once Girl Talk started on campus, I became a magnet for crises was so good in so many ways, right? Girl Talk was now an entity. It We started it in every female residence hall on campus. All of a sudden it just, it exploded, right? In the best way. It gave women this space, this atmosphere to come with their struggles, with their brokenness and just be and be surrounded in community, right? So beautiful. They're hearing all these personal stories from their peers. 
And that was so good. And it also just opened everything up in a sense of if girls were really struggling with more of these extreme situations, they would come to me with them. So I, I became a counselor before I became a counselor. And girls would come to me and say, hey, Julie, I, I think I'm pregnant. I'm struggling with this eating disorder. I was sexually assaulted, right? Like these very serious situations where girls needed a lot of real care and attention, they brought them to me. So then, of course, I in turn would bring them to the campus minister, I'd bring them to the counseling center, bring them where they needed to go, which I think ultimately instilled this sense of accompaniment for the Girl Talk model down the road, right? We're, we're always accompanying and helping each other. But for me at the time, as a 20, 21-year-old, I it was a heavy weight. It was a burden. I think I was at the right place at the right time where I needed to be. But by the time I was graduating, I thought, I don't know if I can go directly into this path that I've always dreamt about. I, I wanted to go to grad school right away. I wanted to go become a counselor immediately. And I thought, you know what? I think I just need a little bit of a breath. I need to take a little breather. And that put me on a major pause because I thought, oh my gosh, I've been studying psychology for four years. I've been a student minister for two years. I just started Girl Talk. This just exploded. This has been my life. People and their situations. And what do I do now? And my friend said, oh, you should go talk to the director of the business school at CUA. And I said, oh my goodness, I am not a business person. Absolutely. <laughs> that is not my style. And she goes, come on, he's great. Just go talk to him. So I was like, okay, begrudgingly, I did. Mm-hmm. I tell him the whole story of Girl Talk. And then I end with, but I'm not really a business person. And he looks at me and he goes, Julie, what are you talking about? You just started a business. <laughs> and the light bulb dawned on me. And I thought, yeah. oh, I don't just love the heart and the healing of Girl Talk, which I do very much. Right. But also, my goodness, I love the marketing. I love the management. I love the entrepreneurship of it all. I love the creativity and like growing this and having it reach as many people as possible. And it allowed me to see business, as we say in the business school, as a force for good, right? Business right. can be this really positive means of reaching people and helping people. And so long story short, I, I joined the business program. It was that nine-month accelerated program. I learned so much, especially about entrepreneurship. I met incredible mentors, great classmates. And Mary-Kate was among them, your sister. Yeah, and, and, yeah. Um, Really learned so much from her. She was instrumental in helping Girl Talk get off the ground. And that was an incredible time for Girl Talk's growth. Yeah, I, I remember that. I mean, it was so it was such an exciting time. And it's amazing to think that it's like over 10 years ago now that this all was happening. The thing too is when you talk about business, I was in business school as well. And I just think we have it such a, this impression that somehow it's just all about making money and at any cost, make money. And yeah, I think that that plays into just say the insecurities that we have as people. And that's why we end up maybe thinking that's what we're supposed to be doing. We need to, to make sure that we get on top by any means necessary and, and business is, is a way to try to weasel your way that way. But clearly that's just a, a very, maybe we could say a corrupted version of what business is. It, it really is about uh, people at the end of the day. And if you have a good business, it means that you're doing something to better the person. Um, a bad business is one that doesn't. I think that's the only way to be, be, be able to really measure business. So you have a really amazing business. I've seen you speak to high school students uh, here at the school that I teach at in San Francisco over Zoom. And I never really know what high school students are thinking when you bring in a guest speaker or what connects. And I've also realized as a teacher, I never really know what connects 
with you know <laughs> what, what I'm saying. But you have connected with people in so many different ways. And maybe you could share a little bit about how you feel that you do connect with high school students, let's say, or college students, because I know that this all started really in college. But what is it about what you do and how you do it that you feel is making a connection? Yeah, you never really know what is in the minds of high schoolers, right? There's no. it's like blank, the blank face that <laughs> getting anything through. Yeah. Yeah, I think the secret that we found at Girl Talk is really being real, right? So it's a really big effort of ours to be personal and vulnerable, mm -hmm. right? So a lot of times we'll go hear a talk, any of us, right? You'll hear a talk and you'll hear the speaker talk about all their accomplishments and how they got from intern to CEO and everything is just wonderful. And they're giving you the advice and just telling you how you need to do what they did to get to where they are. And that's all great and fine. And can be very inspiring. However, what we do is flip that model on its head and they can already see us. Wow, they're accomplished. They're, they've done so much or they already see the goodness of these speakers, right? Mm -hmm. We go into high schools and talk to young girls. We, we host these coffee houses and these very intimate spaces. Girls in high school and middle school at college, any age, are already feeling insecure, right? They're already looking at this speaker, this woman, and thinking, well, oh, gosh, she has something that I don't have, and I am less worthy because of that, right? Mm -hmm. And the speaker flips it on its head and says, guess what? I was right there where you are. In fact, some, most days, I'm also still there where you are. And this yeah. is what I do to challenge those core beliefs in myself, right? Like when I feel less than... I remind myself that I am a daughter of God, that I am worthy, right? When I feel like I'm not good enough, I call it my best friend and, and she reminds me of my dignity and worth and she reminds me of all, all the things that I'm really good at. Mm -hmm. So the speaker connects by being personal, by being real and sharing some of those vulnerabilities that we don't want to share. It feels so counterintuitive, right? How often do we go and share our weaknesses, mistakes, and failures? But I think just in that effort, it shows like to the students, I trust you. I want to share my heart with you. I want to share my real story with you because I believe in you and I want to give you that gift of myself. And then you can learn and glean from that whatever you need in your life so that you can also grow and become yeah. the best version of yourself. Yeah, that, that's definitely it. How comfortable do you feel sharing like with us here in this context, some of the vulnerable things that you've spoken about to the people that you've met? Because you're in like a lot of different places now. You're speaking to a lot of different people. So maybe to kind of preface that, how about you explain what happens in the process of when you walk into the room and let's say it's a group of college students or high school students, what story are you going to talk about or what are you going to, to use as the way to connect? Like, how do you assess it? And then what are some examples? Yeah, there, there's a lot. I appreciate you recognizing all the layers. So yes, so we speak through, like I said, middle schoolers, through moms, right? So we'll go into middle schools, high schools, colleges. For young professionals, we have ongoing recurring programs as well as mothers, women of all ages. So if we were to go into, let's say, a college or a high school and host a Girl Talk coffee house, mm -hmm. there are a couple main ingredients. So first of all, we set the stage. We call it the soft place to land. So a classroom will be transformed. We bring in pillows and blankets and twinkle lights and brownies. And, and it's just the girls walk in and they're like, oh, is this for us? 
He's like, yes, this is for you. We want you to have this beautiful environment to feel safe, to feel connected, to just enjoy, right? Sure. So we offer this soft place to land first and foremost. And then we always have this sisterhood of self-worth and that's in this space of connection, right? So that's where the story will come in and say it's me or we, we have several other Girl Talk speakers who come in and share stories. So then I'll share a story. Um, you know, depending on where the girls are, right? So if the school shares, they've really been struggling with body image. We know a lot of the girls are, are really struggling there. And I might say, listen, when I went through high school, I had the worst acne ever and it tore me to pieces. It was so hard for me. I wouldn't even want to go to school some days. I would hide in my room, right? A very real part of my experience. And mm. I thought that I was not good enough because I had these struggles with my skin. And so I'll share that very openly. And the girls in the classroom who are also struggling with acne are like, she sees me, she knows, she gets it, right? Yeah. Or a classic classic. I had the biggest crush on this boy and I thought we were gonna be destined to be together forever and we were best friends and he broke my heart, right? Yeah. When you share that in a very real way, not just, oh, I went out with this guy, he had the best hair and now we ran track together and oh, he had the voice of an angel and all these things, right? You just make it so personal because that was my real experience. I put myself back in those shoes, the shoes that the girls are walking in now, right? Mm -hmm. Or maybe there's struggles with friendship that you feel like you're best friends with somebody. And then what happens? The click changes in high school or they get better grades or they join a different club or, or whatever. And all of a sudden you break up with your best friend. Gosh, that's so painful, right? So we share these different stories. We've had speakers come in and they'll, they'll talk about their struggles with weight and, and how growing up they thought... Everyone from their best friends to their mom is telling them what they're doing wrong and what they need to correct and how they're not good enough, how they'll never get a boyfriend, they'll never achieve, they'll never be liked by society. We've had some really powerful, beautiful stories that women share. And it's, again, just like the more authentic, the more real, the more we take off that mask and filter, my goodness, we've had tears. We've had just real moments of connection where the girls truly feel seen and cared about because we're not telling them what to do. We always say it's about love, not lectures. We're, we're not going in and saying, this is how you have to act, but here's my story. And I hope you can benefit from this too. Yeah. It's the whole sense of accompaniment, like in, in the best sense of the word. We bond over our sufferings and our wounds and our hurts more than anything else because we all have something. Right. And uh, I think that to do this specifically with girls of lots of different ages, I think that's something that's really needed. Now, can you tell me a little bit about what you're hearing are the pressing things right now? You were in college over 10 years ago. That doesn't seem like a long time ago, but like a lot's happened in 10 years in our world and things. I'm teaching high school students now. And the last time I was teaching high school students was like 10 years ago and things were different then. What are the unique challenges that you see that girls from middle school to college are dealing with? And like, how do you address those, especially since those experiences may not be your experiences because of where you are in your life? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, well, just a funny note on that. I, a couple years ago, I was on a trip and one of my fellow travelers had his little nieces come and mm -hmm. they 
maybe 11 and 13 years old. And we started talking about Girl Talk and they were like, oh, what do you do? And they were so intrigued and they loved it. And I was just you know, doing a little market research and I thought, what if like me or one of my other friends here, what if we were to come and talk in your school? What would you think? The girls were so cute. After bonding over gelato, we had a beautiful afternoon together, right? They go, that would be nice, but you're a little old. <laughs> you're not wrong. So I think part of that, really what we try to do is always keep it very close. To your point, like things have changed. If we're going to go into a middle school now, we do want the speakers to be a little bit younger, maybe a girl in college or even high school who knows our Girl Talk mission, but can speak very relatedly and directly to those experiences. They know the lingo. They know the the cool emojis these days. They know what the texting vibe is, right? So we try to keep it very relatable and for us to be up on the know and all of those things too. In terms of experiences, I think, I think especially the questions of identity and who I am and understanding my sexuality, I think that is a, a huge piece of the puzzle. We've seen a lot of drastic changes and conversations about that in the past 10 years. That's a really big one that really stands out. A lot of a lot of mental health struggles, I think, are similar to what I witnessed on campus, right? When Girl Talk started, it's not that all these problems began, mm-hmm. but they were exposed, right? So we're seeing a lot more anxiety and depression since the pandemic. Those have skyrocketed. I don't think this is talked about as much, but even situations of eating disorders, right? Like eating disorders still are very present and one of the leading causes of death among young women. Yeah. It's yeah. something that, that we know is there, but we don't know how big it is of an issue it is. Totally. Yeah. So so there are all these things that are always present and some changes like that. I do think no matter what the cultural atmosphere is or, or no matter what new experiences we're witnessing, they do always go back to these three core beliefs about ourselves. There, there's a theory in psychology that says human beings all have one core wound, and it's out of these three. It's, I'm not good enough. I'm not worthy. I'm not lovable. You ask those five questions. Okay, why? What about this is making you, what about your life is making you question your food intake? Okay, what does it mean if you're fat? I, I won't be, I, I won't be liked. I won't be accepted in my school. Okay. What does that mean? If, if you're not accepted in your school, no one will talk to me and I, I'll be isolated. What does that mean? If you're isolated and no one will talk to you, that means I'm not lovable. Mm-hmm. Right. So if you like ask these questions as we go deeper and deeper for any experience, any struggle, kind of get to that core wound of a person. Mm-hmm. And so there are the, all these outward manifestations, all these struggles But this is why we speak so personally is that even if I haven't had your exact struggle, we can relate to each other because the wound is universal. It makes a lot of sense. And that transcends time and space and technology and pandemics and everything else too. So it's not as if somehow things in our day and age are so unique that we can't get to the wound, to the root wound. I really think that's, can can you list those again, just so we can let that sink in? What are those three? Sure. I'm not good enough. Mm-hmm. I'm not worthy. Mm-hmm. And I'm not lovable. Yeah. And you really brought that into the, to the girl talk, like mantra. How do you, why don't you talk about that? Cause I, I've heard you use that in the context of girl talk. Sure. How do you rephrase it? Sure. What's so neat about this is that I did not even know. I learned this theory way after we developed the girl <laughs> that's amazing right <laughs> wow. i just yeah. love because yeah. as you'll hear in a second it's almost it's like verbatim it's wild but we say at girl talk you are enough 
you are worthy and you are loved. Yeah. And we beautiful. almost word for word that we just flip. And I really, I had this amazing moment when I learned this. I was like, are you kidding me? This is everything that we've been hearing and experiencing and saying at Girl Talk. And it's not that we made it up. We said, oh, those lines are pretty. No, we very much cultivated that language because of the experiences and the struggles that we witnessed along the road. And I just, I felt very affirmed in that, in our tagline, because of how directly it speaks to our hearts. Yeah. That Now, one thing I just really want to unpack with you, because this is something I struggle with, is that you mentioned something about people are always searching for their identity, and there's a lot of identity talk today more than ever before. And I always come back to this place because of what I have experienced in my own, let's say, spiritual journey, that the only identity that matters about me is that I'm a beloved son of God. And as a Christian, I can very easily say that, get away with that. People understand what that means on some type of level. Uh, of course, I've grown to understand that for me to be that my existence is enough. The fact that I'm here means I'm supposed to be here. There's only one of me. There's only one of me who could do whatever it is I'm doing. <laughs> I do have some type of mission. I have some type of purpose. I always say to students, the fact that you're breathing means that there's still a plan. I can get to that very root level. And of course, I understand it through, I guess you would call it a spiritual lens. I, I do believe there's a God who is a loving creator God who desires us to share in his life. But for people, they just don't want to do that God thing because they know that it seems to come with a lot of baggage, usually the baggage of, let's say, religion. How do you, and I know that Girl Talk is not a religious organization, but how do you get to talking about identity with the people that you're encountering, with the, with the girls, the women that you're encountering? What identity are you trying to offer them, let's just say, or at least to help them to explore? I think you took the words right out of my mouth. That's so beautiful, the way you understand your identity as a beloved son of God. And that is it. That is the, you ask those five questions, you come to the core wound. We ask those questions and we come to our core identity. That's it. You are a beloved son of God, right? And that is what we want these girls to know. You are a beloved daughter of God. Mm -hmm. That is the answer for every struggle, every situation, body, mind, heart, eating disorders, relationships, breakup, sexual assault, what you name it, our answer, our identity, our peace lies in the knowledge that we are daughters of God. So how do we get there? Right? Yeah. We can't just say, girls, you're daughters of God. Check. Have a nice day. No, no. It is through these stories. It is through that personal encounter and relationship, right? We, we don't just want to come in and, and give a talk and leave. We, we want to develop real relationships, real connections. We want to encourage the, the existing relationships that they have, right? How do we help you to grow stronger in your friendships, in your mentorships, all of it? And hearing these stories and asking questions and reflecting on their personal experiences in life to help them understand their purpose. I love the way you phrase that, right? There's only one of you. God made you and you went through every experience in your life that you did for a purpose and a reason to help you live out your mission, your vocation in life. And that is true for every single person, right? So we encourage the girls, what is your purpose? What is your mission, right? And that's very hard. It's a process. I started talking about this soft place to land, the sisterhood of self-worth. 
That third step there is the space for self-discovery. And we really encourage that. Let's journal, let's ask questions, let's reflect as a daily practice. Mm -hmm. It's very hard to get there. I would say maybe impossible to get there when all of this other stuff is in the way, right? If we have trauma, if we have just a lot of struggles in our life, which most of us do, Mm -hmm. and we think of that as we're like in a pile of mud. We're like trying to swim out of this like deep, dark hole. And we know oh, our purpose is somewhere up there, but how can I reach it? Mm-hmm. You know, we we need our community. We need our sisters to help us come down into that deep, dark hole. Help us out. Say, guess what? You're not alone. I've been here too. I'm with you here now. Let's walk up together, right? We need that experience of accompaniment, of friendship. And this can take weeks. This can take months, years, right? Mm-hmm. And she is supporting me so much. I, okay, wait, maybe I am worth it. Maybe I am someone taking the time for me to be a burden on someone, right? Like that they can actually care about me. And so we need that relationship with others to walk out of that deep, dark hole. We, we suddenly see the light. It's been a while. And we think, okay, who am I? What are my gifts and talents? What are my wounds? What are my passions? We really try to help encourage these girls to recognize their unique and unrepeatable purpose in this world. Mm -hmm. And along the line, ultimately, they realize, oh my gosh, I have this unique purpose because I'm a daughter of God, right? Like he gave it to me. And now it's my calling to live this out with true confidence in this world. Yeah, that's beautiful, Julie. What, if you could just share, what does it mean for you today you, Julie, to identify with being a beloved daughter of God. How does that, what does that resonate for you personally? Not just like on type of theoretical level, like for you personally. I think for me to be a beloved daughter of God, it means knowing that he loves me for exactly who I am when where I am and that he's not waiting for any massive accomplishment. Sometimes I really struggle with that. I'd say my core wound is that I'm not good enough, right? That Mm -hmm. I need to achieve and accomplish and do all these shiny things. And God is not conditionally loving me for those accomplishments, for those check marks, right? That he loves me because I'm his baby girl, because I'm his baby, and that I can rest and really be embraced by him in that. I think being a beloved daughter is just knowing he loves me no matter what, and that he genuinely has a purpose and that any struggle doesn't take that away, right? If I feel like I don't know if I'm in the right place in life, I don't know if I found the right guy in life, I don't know if I'm if I need to be in a certain place with my family, right? Like I can still have all these questions and be very convicted of his love for me. And I think I think that's what it means for me. Yeah. And it's absolutely beautiful. But also, have you questioned that love or have you questioned if it's real? Have there been moments? I'm sure there are. <laughs> no, no struggle. No, no. I'm the perfect person, remember? <laughs> of course, there have been moments, right? I definitely struggled with a lot of anxiety. I'm thinking, gosh, I really don't know what the next step is or am, am I in the right place right now? And what does God want of me? And there definitely have been moments of cloudedness, right? Like mm-hmm. I, said, I really can't see clearly and... I love that gospel passage of Christ healing the the blind man, but it takes two times. 
Wait, you see now? And he's like, yeah, but I see people walking around like trees, right? <laughs> and I was like, yes, I love that because I'm sure I've had these moments where I have questioned God's plan and purpose, but it's more so like the, yeah, it's fuzzy. It's fuzzy. And I don't know if he really, like, do you care? Do you care what I do? What do you want of me? And so I always say that in my head. I'm like, oh, today they're walking around like trees, but I, <laughs> I like that. It's a great, that's <laughs> awesome, Julie. I like that. Yeah. But then he heals and then he says, okay. And then he puts more of the mud or whatever on his eyes. And, and all of a sudden he can, the man can see so crystal clear. Yeah. And I've had many of those moments in my life where, and it is a gift, right? It's a, a real gift for God to say, yes, like, I do want you to see this clearly. And it, it's a moment of, I'm in the right place. It's validating, right? And it's also a leap of faith. If I'm still seeing the people walking around like trees to know, I don't feel I don't fully feel this. I don't fully feel God's love or his presence right now, but I know that it's there. Mm -hmm. I really know it's there. And I think that's also part of understanding our identity as daughters and sons of God, because it doesn't have to do always with, with how we feel in the moment, but our conviction and our inner knowledge that it is always there and he does always love us. And it's just a matter of wiping the crime from our eyes for us to be able to see that and feel it. That's so beautiful, Julie. For all this thing about not seeing, I always look at you as being an incredible visionary. And I think a lot of it comes from just your exposure to entrepreneurship. So I just maybe want to end this time with you by telling us a little bit about where do you see Girl Talk going? What is your vision? Because I feel like you have some type of thing that you're growing up as to where you want to take things. <laughs> and then also, if you could leave us with letting us know how we can learn more about Girl Talk and what it is there, how, where we should go and what we should do for you. <laughs> sure. You're asking my vision. How much time do we have left? <laughs> no, just, just... <laughs> I've got the plans and dreams, right? On a simple scale, if we could say, I would love for Girl Talk to reach the heart of every woman in America. All right. That's good. And, Let's start there. <laughs> and in practical ways, uh, really, we'd love to be in host Girl Talk coffee houses in all 50 states. We've already reached so many states and so many girls through that high school experience, through hosting coffee houses. And so that's a real goal of ours because we know that age is so sensitive and so formative for the rest of their lives. And so we really want to touch the hearts of these girls and really instill that that knowledge and that purpose and that love in them now. And so that as they go through life and meet very real challenges along the way, that they can have that, that inner strength to fall back on. So yeah, we'd love to reach all these high schools, continue to give our talks in many other areas and then people can find us on our website it's ourgirltalk.org we're also on instagram at ourgirltalk and you'll find all sorts of programs that we do for moms and middle schoolers college girls everything like that but yeah we hope that everyone can join us along this mission to really build our sisterhood of self-worth that's awesome julie yeah and uh, we'll be sure to put all those links in the show notes is there anything else that you think that we could do to support your work. I know you always need money. We all need money. We all need prayers. I get that. Is there anything else that anyone could do to allow your dream to become a reality of uh, having Girl Talk touch every woman in the entire country, maybe the world? Hey, we, we've got women in Canada and the UK and Guatemala there right now. Go. 
which is great. Yeah, prayers, yes. Donations, yes. And then I'd say if you have connections, if women in high school, if teachers, if campus ministers, if guidance counselors, principals, please connect us with them. If you feel moved by this story, we would love to really enter into these schools and it really happens through grassroots connections. We'd love to connect with your school or your organization. We've talked to Girl Scouts, we've talked to Brownies, like it doesn't have to be just a school, but parishes, schools, organizations, if you are connected in some way to them and you think Girl Talk could be a valuable addition to your mission, we would, we'd love to be part of that. It's awesome, Julie. Always so much fun spending some time here with you, and I hope to get you out to San Francisco for a, a Girl Talk coffee house. I think I think our students would love it. So. That would be awesome. And plus, I need some warm weather from here in you Chicago. You do. You do. Okay. Being in Chicago, <laughs> my gosh. It's nice in the summer. Yes, it is. <laughs> my gosh. Thank you so much for having me on. This is truly Always such a good being with you. Thank you so much, Julie. Of course. Right. Thank you. Peace. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Attentive Heart Podcast. We hope that you were able to find it helpful in your spiritual journey and practice. This podcast is produced in collaboration with Sunday to Sunday Productions and The Witness Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please subscribe and share it with friends.